You can turn in your Bibles over to Luke's Gospel. We're going to be over in chapter 4 to start with. Just going to read this scripture and then move on to some other areas. We're actually going to start at verse 14. Luke chapter 4. Verse 14. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. I'm the wrong one. I'm sorry. 14. Then the Lord Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We want to look tonight at power and authority as we look at this part of God's boot camp, developing our spirit, growing ourselves up in the things of the spirit. We're looking at the aspects of power and authority that He has given us, but we listed these three things in your outline here. That first off, when the Holy Spirit seals you, you are saved. The thing that signifies us being saved is the seal of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit seals you, you are saved. That is the job of the Holy Spirit in salvation is to seal you. You wear His seal. When the Holy Spirit indwells you, you are filled. His indwelling is what causes us to be filled. So when the Holy Spirit seals us, we're saved. When the Holy Spirit indwells us, we're filled. When the Holy Spirit moves you, you are anointed. When He seals you, you're saved. When He indwells you, you're filled. And when He moves you, you're anointed. Now, when I'm saved, when He comes and seals me and I'm saved, it benefits me. I mean, really, you getting saved doesn't benefit anyone else. It benefits you. You get saved. When I'm filled, it benefits me and blesses others. So being filled has a little bit more of an effect. Not only when you get filled, you get blessed, but other people will get blessed around you. So it benefits you and benefits blesses others. When I'm anointed, it benefits others. The anointing is not for your benefit. The infilling is. Salvation is. But the anointing is not for your benefit. People who talk about being anointed in a direction where it benefits them do not know what the anointing is. The anointing does not come on you to benefit you. As in filling does. The anointing comes on you to benefit others. So whatever comes from the anointing is to benefit other people. Whatever comes from the infilling can benefit you and it can benefit others. And what comes as far as salvation is there to benefit you. The anointing does not have to be felt, but it must be tapped. Just because the anointing is there does not mean it's used for the purpose that has been given. 
It must be tapped. Just like in salvation. Salvation's there, but it doesn't mean that it's benefit anybody until they accept it. The infilling's available, but someone's got to step up and, and do that. Same thing with the anointing. It does not have to be felt. There are times that God's anointing will be upon you and you will feel it. And there are times that God's anointing will be upon you and you'll feel nothing. So the feeling makes no difference. Example, that would be Jesus and the woman with the issue of blood. The anointing was on Jesus. She tapped into it. He felt it, but he didn't feel anything up until then. When you are moved by the Holy Spirit, it is always for a purpose that brings glory to God. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, moves upon you, anoints you for a purpose, it is always for a purpose that brings glory to God. That will always be the case. So we're going to look at some of these things that have to do with that. And first part is preaching and teaching. There is an anointing to teach and to preach. You don't have to be in a formal office or calling of teaching, pastor, anointing, apostle, prophet, all those sort of things. You don't have to be in that to be anointed to teach. You can simply be talking one-on-one with somebody. The Spirit of God can come upon you, anoint you to teach you, teach that person that you were speaking to. But the anointing can come on you to teach and to preach. You can teach aside from the anointing. And you can teach with the power of the anointing. And it's not to downgrade one or the other. Just because you may teach something and there's no particular anointing and no particular moving from God on it does not mean that it does not have value. How many times have you taught something that you learned before? Not because there's any particular move of the Spirit on you, just because someone asked. Mm-hmm. And you went ahead and, and taught it. Went ahead and, do th- and did that. And we're certainly supposed to, supposed to be able to do that. But there are times that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and anoint you to teach, anoint you to preach. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various disease and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. But notice back up in verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So he went about teaching in the synagogues, preaching. We didn't say really give a location for that, but he was around preaching and healing all kinds of, of things. But all these things and he was doing by the, by the uh, anointing that had come upon him. Sometimes he may have been teaching or even proclaiming the gospel without the necessarily a, a special anointing on him for it. And you can, you can certainly do that. But see that there's a difference between teaching and preaching. We've talked about this before. Teaching, when you get into teaching, you are explaining those truths in the Word of God. Teaching involves explaining. Preaching involves proclaiming. When you preach, you proclaim a message. When you teach, you explain it. And that's the, that's the difference. Now, there's a lot of folks who will say, I like preaching more, I like teaching more, and they'll pick one side or the other, and, and all that truth is you need both. 
you need some people that will get in there and just proclaim some things and, and get some things fired up on that. Generally, preaching is involving salvation. Some of the elementary things, very, very seldom is preaching. I really don't know of any time when a preaching will be used for anything deep or anything uh, uh, real, real strong that way. It's just going to be a basic message, trying to get folks fired up about something, to move on something. That's generally what preaching is going to do. There'll be a lot more emotional aspects to preaching than uh, would be the, the teaching part of it. But without teaching, and we'll see Jesus did a lot more teaching, at least the Word of God tells us a lot more of the times He went around teaching than it does that He went around preaching. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at His... Teaching. Not preaching. At His teaching. For He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He taught them as one having authority. Well, this would certainly describe teaching that would be moved by the anointing of God. That the Holy Spirit would come upon and to move you and there would be the authority of the Holy Spirit, the authority of God behind it. Which the scribes didn't have. The scribes would just recite some things that they knew. But Jesus was out there getting the inspiration of God, functioning underneath that anointing. And it astonished them. Because he taught us one having authority. So they could tell the difference between, between teaching that did not have authority and teaching that did. Now how much they had been sitting under the scribes teaching for a long time apparently didn't have a whole lot of benefit to them. But when they got under Jesus' teaching, we see many things happening in their lives. Matthew 28 verse 18 And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. So we see here, this is the Great Commission. Let's look what he says. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. This is a teaching regarding authority. So he spoke to them regarding authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How do you make disciples of all nations? You preach to them the gospel. You proclaim to them the gospel. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. So in order to get into a place where we observe all things, there needs to be a teaching that goes on. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority, though, has been given to me. So because all authority has been given to him, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is what you are to do, all authority. What they are to do here is under the authority that Jesus has given them. So hold that thought, Mark chapter 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about their villages in a circuit teaching. He marveled because of their unbelief. Their unbelief had shut down some things. Their unbelief had shut down the anointing to do miraculous things. Then he went about the villages in the circuit teaching. He's trying to teach. By teaching, you can undermine unbelief. Now, though they had doubt and unbelief that shut down the anointing for miracles, the anointing for power, and things like that, apparently the anointing could still be there for teaching or else Jesus is teaching without the anointing. He's just teaching basic principles. But it would seem 
certainly that people can shut down the anointing in one area and not shut it down in another. So I would say that he's probably going around teaching under the anointing and trying to undermine the unbelief that was there and get them into a place for belief so that they would respond. Later on in Mark chapter 6, And Jesus, when He came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So He began to teach them many things. They were sheep, not having a shepherd. Well, if He calls them sheep, they're not unsaved. He's relating them to the sheep, which is generally something safe for saved people. And so He's going around teaching them. Most of the time, unsaved people are not going to receive teaching real well. They can receive preaching or a proclaiming of a message, but at some point they have to receive it by faith and go on from it. So to sit there and try and teach unsaved people the, the elementary principles of the gospel or things about faith, principles about faith or principles about miracles or teach them different passages in the Bible really isn't going to have a whole lot of effect on them. You need to proclaim to them the gospel. But how many times do people that are unsaved try and get you into doctrinal discussions about different verses of Scripture, different things that are involved here with that, trying to get you to explain this, or trying to, to, to show you an area of Scripture that you don't have an explanation for. And therefore, because you don't have an explanation for it, there's no reason to buy into the whole thing. That's what they're trying to do. Your role, though, with unsaved people is just to simply proclaim them the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can choose to accept it. They can choose to reject it. But we're not here to try and argue them into the kingdom. Paul tried that. Didn't work for him. Failed for him. Get under the anointing. Get moved by the anointing. Let the Holy Spirit move you in an area of anointing. And as these people try to move you off and into another area through crazy questions that they really have no interest in, they're just trying to get a discussion going or just trying to weaken your argument or whatever it might be. Don't get into it. Don't be, don't be moved. You keep leaning back on the Holy Spirit. You'll see Jesus do this with the woman at the well. She kept trying to move the thing off into a doctrinal discussion. He's going to have nothing of it. He kept bringing it back to a proclaiming of the message of the gospel. She hadn't accepted the message of the gospel yet. And he's trying to get her to a place to do that. And eventually he does and she does. She seems to get saved. And things go on that way. But there's a preaching and teaching. And you can do this just from the things that you know, but you can also do this by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And there are times you're going to need to rely on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when you rely on this as the anointing of the Holy Spirit, things are going to come up on the inside of you that you really don't have any handle on. And you've got to learn how to go with it. Because if you are only going to teach what you know preach what you know and you'll never get in to tap into what the Holy Spirit knows you can only go so far with people and you really will not ever get into the anointing because the anointing moves you in an area that you don't know and you rely on Him you don't know where people come from you don't know what obstacles they have but the Holy Spirit knows and it'll just take you on into it and, and let you go and don't ever do this oh, I don't know why I'm saving it, saying this but you know maybe God has something in this for you don't say that <laughs> Don't say that to people. Don't ever bring attention to the anointing. If you bring attention to the anointing, you will, you will cause problems. It's never, it's never going to benefit you. Tell me one time that Jesus brought attention to the anointing when He's dealing with people who were getting into the kingdom or struggling with the kingdom or things of that nature. Sometimes He might do that with His disciples, but not very often. We don't see it really at all 
with the common people out there. He never one time when the woman at the well brings up the anointing that's on him to explain to her what's going on in her life. Don't call attention to the anointing. Just go with it. Just be moved by it. If you call attention to it, you, you leave it for people to dismiss what you say or dismiss the anointing. You don't, don't give that opportunity. So function under the anointing, but don't call attention to it. Just function under it. Just flow with it. If you feel the, the urge, and we do this a lot of times because other people have said it, other people have done it, and we just think, well, that's the way it's done. And we'll just get in there. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'll just say it anyway. No, don't do it. Just say it. If you feel the Holy Spirit leading you into an area, say it. If it works out and ministers to people, you learned about following the Holy Spirit and it ministered in a situation. If it didn't minister to the situation, then you learned about not following the Holy Spirit. <laughs> But either way, you don't need to be bringing all that sort of stuff up. It's not going to help anybody. So just don't do it. Don't call attention to the anointing. Jesus doesn't one time in any meeting say, hold on. Oh, there it is. The anointing's on me now. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He walked out being anointed and just continued to flow in that, in that area. So don't call attention to it, ever. It, just, it doesn't benefit anybody to do so. But when you preach or when you teach, when you proclaim or when you explain, there's an anointing that will go along with it. One that you should expect and it will help you to explain the truth that you're explaining or to proclaim the gospel that you're proclaiming. It will help you to do with that. Because when you ex proclaim the gospel, there's a whole lot of things you can proclaim, isn't there? But there's a couple of areas that are really going to hit home for these people that you're talking to. And you need to know which ones they are. And you don't always follow the things that they're saying. Because the things that they're saying are not always important. Most times things that people are saying are not important. Most times we're, we are not saying the things that are important and we're saying the things that are unimportant. I mean, isn't that right with your life? Don't most times we share with people the things that are least important and we keep silent on the things that are most important? because I'm embarrassed about those things, or I don't know if I can trust you with those things. Those things that are most important, I'm keeping quiet. So just because they share them with you doesn't mean it's the most important thing. Go with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to know. And if the Holy Spirit keeps leading you back to a topic, and that person keeps leading you away from the topic, don't sit there and say, well, the Holy Spirit keeps bringing me back to this. They don't know to respect that. <laughs> just let it go. Just work your way on back. Well, Holy Spirit, they keep pulling me off of this. You show me how to get back to it. Holy Spirit will show you how to get back to it. He's good at this. If He's moving you, He's empowering you, He will get you back there. Mm -hmm. And you don't got to call attention to it at all. Mm -hmm. It won't help. But there's an anointing to teach and there's an anointing to preach. You don't have to, have to uh, call attention to it. There are some teachers out there and, and God uses them the best that He can. I'm sure that He does. But they'll sometimes just get off in the thing and be all spooky. And get all distant. Then wait a minute, God's moving upon me. Let me hear what it is that He has to say. And they're calling attention to the thing and then they say something and He's like, what? Why would the Holy Spirit say that? You, you don't want to do that. So, let's go on to the next part. Preaching and teaching though. There's an anointing, there's a power, and there's an anointing behind that. Next one is in the area of healing. There is a difference between anointing, anointing power 
and authority through faith. I tell you, I wish more Christians would understand this. There is a difference between anointing power or anointed power and authority through faith. You will do some things through the anointing and you do some things through authority. There are certain things that turn off the anointing, but they do not turn off authority. Sometimes we think we get into those areas where the Scriptures have taught us that this shuts down the anointing. But it does not shut down authority. What would shut down authority? No, lack of faith shuts down the anointing. What shuts down authority? It's a trick question. Nothing. There is nothing, folks, that can shut down the authority. If you operate in authority, there is nothing that can shut it down. If you do not operate under authority, then you have shut it down. But there is nothing that can shut down authority. Nothing. Jesus is the authority. You understand that authority and you know where that authority can go, what that authority can do. But as long as you know where, what the rules are that govern that authority, nothing can shut it down. You understand, I cannot operate the authority in that area because I don't have the right. But see, they didn't shut it down. They didn't give you the right to it. The case of this would be, you know, uh, we've talked about it before, parents. Parents over little children. They have authority over them. They have authority. And you have authority. But when two authorities meet, authorities yield. There's a yielding that goes on. You, as having the authority of Jesus Christ, know I don't have the right to exercise my authority over your authority. And so you ask, is it okay if we pray for your child? And they say no. They didn't shut down anything. They didn't shut down the authority. They just blocked it from being used in their life. But the authority is still there. Nothing has gone on with the authority. Authority hasn't turned on. Authority hasn't turned off. The authority is always there. But it's where we can take that authority and put that authority. If they say, alright, go ahead. They've given me the right to do it. Do I need them to have faith? It doesn't matter if they have doubt. Now, if they've given me permission with authority, I can go on in. Now, if they get to be uh, uh, dismissive about it and start putting you down, then I really don't think that they've given you authority to get in there. But we've had examples of the Scripture where you know, other people want to dismiss and discount and put Jesus down for the things He was going to do. We're going to raise her back to life. Oh, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Sure, sure, that'll happen. He puts those people out. But He had authority to do so because the house belonged to the parents who gave Him authority to operate in that situation. So He operated in that authority. If the parents would have said, no, we're not going to give you that. We don't want you to. Well, then He's out of the house. But see, they, they don't shut down the authority they just stop it. No, you can't use that here. But you see, this, it's not shut down. The anointing can be shut down. The anointing can be stopped. It can be shut down in a whole area through unbelief and doubt and so forth. But the authority is still working. 
If I've got a hundred thousand people, got a group of a hundred thousand people, and all but ten of them are in doubt and unbelief, will the anointing work there? Probably not. But will the authority work for those ten? If they come to me and say, if you lay hands on me, I will be healed, will it work? That's an authority issue. Sure, it will work. Because it's an authority one. We have to understand what areas are authority and what areas are, are anointing. What areas require anointing? What areas require authority? Because authority will work in areas where anointing has been shut down. But authority will still work if it's given the opportunity. If you are around, if you go into a, uh, an event with all your relatives and all your relatives that are there are unsaved unbelievers, anti-God and whatever else. How many have ever been in an environment like that? <laughs> and you, you have that kind of atmosphere going on and that's what's going on and you start feeling sick. What do you need to get rid of that? Authority or anointing? Authority. That's all you need. Can all those unbelievers shut down the authority in your body? Can't shut it down at all. You can keep on going. You just proclaim that thing. You can be in the midst of all unbelievers. It don't make any difference at all. You've got authority. Authority will work there. So there's a difference between authority and anointing. There's anointed power and there's authority through faith. I walk in that authority. I have faith in that authority. I don't need you to have faith in authority for it to work for me. I don't need you to have faith for it. But I need you to give me permission if I'm going to use it for you. That's all I need. You can never shut... Other people can never shut down your authority. But you know how authority works. And authority won't work there. It still is working. It hasn't been shut down. But it won't work there because you won't let it. But it can work right next to you. But we can see where, where anointed power has been shut down in a whole area. Capernaum, he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. They shut down the anointed power. We saw times that the uh, when the paralytic was, was let down through the roof. It said the anointing was present to heal. You can heal by authority and you can heal by anointing. But anointed power to heal will overcome some things that authority struggles with sometimes. Authority is not always made for. There are some things in the area of sickness that authority was not made for. And a lot of times we're, we're crisscrossing them. And we're taking authority and applying it to things that we need miracles for. Do you have authority to command a person's arm to grow back? No. Because what authority is involved there? Is there anything that's balanced in the name of Jesus? Is there anything that's yielding to the name of Jesus? What do we need? In the, if you have a person's arm that needs to grow back, what do you need? Any power. <laughs> we need miracle power here. This is a miracle. This isn't just, if we have a disease, sickness, we have authority. We command it to go. And it goes. That's, but we don't, we're not commanded an arm, come here. <laughs> That's not what we're commanded. What we're commanded is, we need that arm to grow back. We need that liver to regenerate. That's a miracle power. There's anointing for that. That's why God has anointed power. That's why God has authority through faith. There are certain things that will work that way. So if we have things that are in there anointing through faith, we can do that anywhere. 
when Jesus was in Capernaum, it said He could do there no mighty work. The mighty ones really come through the anointing. The miraculous ones come from the anointing. The authority can take care of a whole lot of other stuff. You know, most times people are sick, wrestling with things. It's not needing a mighty work. It just needs authority. That's most of, the, most of the places where we live is in the area of authority. We just need to get this thing taken care of. But every once in a while, you step into one of those things. I need a miracle. I need an anointed power. They go on. And you can call on that. So there's a difference between anointed power and authority through faith. In Mark chapter 16, 17 and 18, These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In this verse of Scripture, now just think to yourselves and answer on this one, but in this verse of Scripture, are we talking about anointing or are we talking about authority? In my name they will cast out demons. Authority or anointing? Authority. The demons are subject to the name of Jesus. So it's authority. They will speak with new tongues. Authority or power? Is speaking in tongues part of the benefit package of being in the kingdom? Then do you need power? No. Just the authority of Jesus' name. Just authority. I have authority to speak in tongues. I don't need anointed power to do it. It's not a miracle. It's not a miracle. We're not looking at miracles here. This is something that's mine. If you have a bank account, you don't need a miracle to get money out of it. You just need authority. So all you need is authority. You got that, that check, that signature, all that sort of... You have authority. You can go out there and get it. This is the authority issue right here, speaking with your tongues. They will take up serpents. Power or authority? Some of you want to say power. I know, you want to say power. No, it's authority. You have authority over the things that creep over the, th- the face of the earth. You have authority over them. Not power. I can't make that snake do what I want it to do. I don't have power to take over that snake, but I have authority. You won't come near me. Got authority with that. When Paul had that viper come out of the wood and and, uh, latch onto him, he just shook it off. He didn't have power to make that snake go and do something. All he had was authority. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Well, when this thing comes in your body, this is an alien thing and it, it comes in your body and poisons do things in your body. I have authority over those things when they come into my body. I don't need miracle power. I need authority. You will not do that in my body. This is my body. You won't do it in my body. It's authority. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Did it say you will lay hands on the lame? The sick... There's, you're dealing with authority here. This is sickness. This is illness. This is disease. You have authority over disease. This is an authority verse. All he's doing is stipulating where your authority works. You have authority. So if you have authority, these things work all the time. Because authority is always at work. Authority does not ever shut down. I don't need a special move of the Holy Spirit to start up the authority. And it never stops. Authority is given to me. Authority always works. 
That's all you need. If you have a general in an army, does that general need a special move by Congress or the president to say something? That, you know, I know you gave me authority a year ago, but I think it's kind of weakening. Give me another boost. You don't have to do that. He's a general. He has the authority of that position all the time. Whether he's sleeping, whether he's awake, whether he's present, whether he's not. If that order comes from that general to those that are under him, it carries authority all the time. It doesn't stop. So understand what areas you have authority over and you always operate under authority with those things. You always have authority with those things. It never stops. You don't need to feel authoritative. You don't need to feel high in the spirit. It's just always there. But then there's some things you need that special move of the spirit. You got a guy with a lame or you got a guy with uh, you know deaf ear or something that's, that's you need a creative miracle for. Well, now you need a anointed power. And it's still available to you. You can still get it. Don't get it inside. Well, I don't know if I can walk in there today. The anointing is always there for you. Jesus is just walking, minding his own business, going from one place to another to do a miracle. But this lady touches him and taps into that anointed power. That anointed power is on you more often than you realize. Mm-hmm. And you can tap into it. But that's all you got to do is tap into the anointed power. Unbelief will shut down the anointing. But it doesn't turn off authority in my life. And anybody who wants to operate in that authority or let me operate in authority for them, I can do so. If they say, no, I'm not going to do it here, then we can't. Turn over to Mark chapter 6. Verse 1. When he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him, when, he, when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? That such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. You lay hands on the sick and they will recover authority. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in the circuit teaching. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. One of the reasons he was motivated to send them out was because they were rejecting him. So he grabbed a bunch of other people and sent them out. Maybe they won't reject you. And the, uh, the authority will work on you. He gave them the authority to do it. So they go out and do the same thing he was doing. But if they don't shut down the anointed power, they could do it. But sometimes they did that too. Well, what are some powerful manifestations? We listed three of them here for you. Raising the dead. Wouldn't you consider that a powerful manifestation? Even some healings are powerful manifestations. When you've got a lame man laying on a, on a cot, and he hasn't walked in a who knows how long, long, long time. That's a powerful manifestation. If you see someone in a wheelchair get wheeled into a meeting, and you know them for a long time. They've been in that wheelchair for as long as you've known them. And they all of a sudden get up and run around the place. 
That's pretty powerful. You see somebody in the miracle mode? Blind eyes, born blind. Eyes never did work. Never did work. Now they work. People who didn't have eyes. All of a sudden, suddenly they just grew in, in their eye sockets and functioned. These can happen. The power of God can be manifested. But this is the power of God. It's not authority. I don't have authority to go over to somebody and say, eyes grow. That's not an authority issue. That's a power manifestation issue. Well, we must, as ministers of the gospel, keep it straight whether we're tapping into the power of the anointing or whether we're tapping into authority. Because it's a different way that you, you minister to each one. Hey, but supernatural knowledge. The revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Her supernatural knowledge will come. That's through the power of the anointing. I don't have authority to say, give me supernatural knowledge in this, in this situation. Don't have authority to do that. I can ask God for it, but I don't have authority to demand it. And I don't mean demand it of God, I just mean demand it in that situation. So God has given us the revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit. But they're as He wills. So it's under His authority, not mine. I haven't been given authority in that. But supernatural knowledge. Knowledge of things that have gone on in the past. Knowledge of things that people are going through now. Knowledge of things that will come upon people in the future. These are all things that will come under supernatural knowledge. The revelation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Then there's divine utterance. The vocal gifts of the Holy Spirit. If I were to proclaim something in a language that I do not know, but the language is known, I don't have authority to do that. But I can operate in the anointing power of God. And it can do it for, through me. Tongues and interpretation. I don't have authority to say, I'm going to speak today in tongues and interpretation. But I can yield myself to the authority of God and be empowered by Him to do so. Again, it's as He wills. It's not as we will. There's the vocal gifts of the Holy Spirit. The revelation gifts of the Spirit. Miracles. Healings. The raising of the dead. These are things that we can, we can operate in through the power of God. Well, we put this in your outline too. To walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit's sealing, you must allow it to have its fulfillment in leading you to His, to His filling. To walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit's sealing or salvation, you must allow it to have its fulfillment in leading you to His filling, the Holy Spirit's filling. The purpose of the Holy Spirit saving you, the purpose of the Holy Spirit bringing you to the place and putting His seal upon you is for the purpose of you being filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose. Because by leading you into that, not only are you blessed, but other people are blessed. And that's certainly a purpose He wants to get to. So the first purpose He's going to get to is one that has benefit for you and benefit for others. But really His ultimate purpose is the next one. To walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit's filling, you must allow it to have its fulfillment in leading you to His anointing. The Holy Spirit filling you is just to lead you, the purpose of it is to lead you into the area of the anointing. Because under the area of the anointing, other people are blessed by it. You don't get blessed by the anointing. Other people do. Maybe you feel like, wow, it's real great to be a part of that and to be something that God used. And that's all 
certainly good and it gives you a good feeling anyway. But it's not the same kind of benefit that saving and filling is. But this is where He wants to lead you. He wants to lead you to this place where you are anointed that in certain situations He will, he will give you words to speak. Power comes up on the inside of you to accomplish things that you're facing. Supernatural knowledge. Supernatural understanding. And you'll move by it. But you have to be willing to step outside of yourself. If you move into the area of the Holy Spirit's power, the Holy Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit's words, you have to understand you will step out into places that you have no understanding of. When Jesus is told, led by the Holy Spirit, spit on the ground, make clay and spear it on the guy's eyes. I'm sure he's got no understanding. How is that supposed to have any effect on this? And if you wrestle with that and, and reason with, well, that's not going to do any good. It's, come on, smear mud, spit in the ground, smear mud. What do you mean spitting on the guy's tongue? That's just gross. I don't, oh, I don't even want to do that. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, I don't want to do that. But if, if you sit there and you wrestle with what the Holy Spirit says to do, then you miss it. When Peter and John come up to the layman, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And he says, Spirit, uh, silver and gold, I do not have, but such as I do have, give I to you. Such as I do have, I give to you. Is he operating under authority or power? Power. I cannot give you authority. But I can give you what I have. Which is the power of the of God, and He can reach on down, grab him by the hand, and what goes into his his body? Power. Anointed power. Just the same way as it was when Jesus was walking, and the woman with the issue of blood touched the end of his garment, and what went into her body? Jesus said, "Power went out from me. I felt it. Healing power went out from me. Who touched me? Who drew upon that? Who received that healing power?" So when Peter and John they reach on down, they grab the guy by the the arm. They're transferring something, not authority. Authority is given by the Father. I don't give authority to anybody. It's His authority. He gives it. But I can give of His power because He's given it to me. And He reaches on down and He grabs the guy. Why does He reach on down and grab the guy and yank him up? Is there a verse in the Scripture that says, if you will yank up lame people, they will walk? There isn't. But the Holy Spirit comes upon him and says, reach on down there, grab that man and pull him up. And Peter says, no! No! This is a young church. We start doing stuff like that, people will get mad at us. They won't let us have meetings anywhere. No, we're not going to... He doesn't do that though. He doesn't sit there and, and I have to have understanding. No, he's yielding to the anointing. The Holy Spirit has understanding on this. I know how to hear the voice of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit of God has said. I'm going to reach on down and grab him. And he yanks him on up. And strength immediately comes on the guy's legs. And he goes about running, leaping, and praising God. Power went out from him though. But that's the purpose of it. Now, did Peter get anything out of that? He got some attention, but he didn't get... He, his legs weren't healed. He was already okay. And the power went through him but it had the effect upon the other man because its benefit is, is for this other person. And that's, that's what we want to get to. We want to get to that place. If you are going to do it, if you're going to operate under the anointing, then you're going to have to operate out on a power outside of yourself. 
Example we used before, riding a wave. How many have ever ridden a wave down at the coast? And you get into that wave and you go riding on that wave. You don't create the wave. You can't do anything to make the wave bigger or smaller. The wave is what it is. All you can do is get in on it. <laughs> That's all that you can do. You walk out on the beach like we did the other week and there's no waves to speak of. I can't get out there and create them. I may want them, but I don't have authority to go out there and say, Waves be! <laughs> they weren't there. We weren't riding any waves. But you get on into that wave and there's a yielding. If you don't yield to the power of the wave, you don't go anywhere. There's a lot of people try and ride waves and they try and swim the whole way. And they don't know how to ride the wave. You've got to learn how to catch the wave and go with the wave. You have to yield to something that's outside yourself. And that's what you've got to do when you fall under the oni. And you start teaching one-on-one or small group of people, two or three people gathered together, four or five people gathered together and they're asking questions. The anointing come upon you, but you're going to have to say some things and you may not understand them all the way. But you understand, I recognize the anointing. Father, I recognize this is your anointing. If you tell me to say this, I'll say that. I don't understand how this is going to minister to them or how it's going to help them, but I'll go ahead and say it. And you don't call attention. Do not call attention to it. Just don't do it. You don't need to. There's no reason for it. Let the anointing speak for itself. I've told you before, I'm teaching here on Wednesday nights, Sunday, night, Sunday mornings, whenever it might be. The anointing, I expect to operate underneath the anointing. I expect to come in and teach stuff that I don't have in my notes. I expect to gain understanding of things. And there are times, I've told you before, there are times that I'll get into a thing after a service, getting towards the end of it, winding it up, and all of a sudden, out of my mouth, next week we're going to get into this. And I don't sit there and say, wow, why did I say that? I don't even know what the answer to that is. I don't call attention to it. But I'll get on home and say, Father God, I have no idea how to get into that. I don't even know what to do. I already even look for that. It's alright, He knows. But I know if, if He tells me to say it, then He's coming back up. And I don't, I don't lose sleep over it. I don't start diving into it Monday morning. Oh, I better... Oh, I'm nervous. Oh, I don't know. I better find out what this is. No. I don't worry, I don't worry about it at all. Not going to lose any sleep over it. Holy Spirit told that to me. He's going to tell me how to get the answer to the thing. Is it up to me? I'm not going to sit there and call attention to it, get into it next week. I'm not going to get up there and say, I just got this yesterday. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't get, I've never done that. You don't call attention to it. See, the people who know how to draw off that stuff pull it out anyway. And the people who are going to disdain it, don't really understand how to use it, they're, they're just going to treat it as normal everyday stuff. I just don't call any attention to it. But see, you'll have the same thing going with, with who you're, you're talking to. I've had this happen a number of times in conversations. Just talking, to, just being in a group, floating around, just talking, and the Spirit of God will come up inside you and say, that person needs to talk to you about this. Alright, well don't go up to that person and say, God says you need to talk to me about this. Don't do it. Don't call attention to it. Just going up to that person. Strike up a conversation. Just be normal. And just work your way around into that topic and see what happens. They'll share all kinds of stuff. And when they do, don't sit there and say, Yeah, God told me that you need to talk to me about this thing. I'm just waiting for you to get off. No, don't do it. Say, so, all right, we're here where we needed to be. 
What do you got for them, God? And then you just give them what God has. Don't call attention to it. Most of the times, the gifts of the op- uh, gifts of the Spirit are in operation in the New Testament. You'd never know it. A lot of times you have to go on through and be taught. This is this was here. This is the word of knowledge. This is the word of wisdom. Jesus didn't call attention to the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, when he was operating by it. The writer sometimes will say that Jesus operating by that knew what was going on. But he never sits there and says to the disciples, God told me what you all were talking about. He told me. Now you all just hush about this thing. He doesn't do that. They'll be over there talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom and he'll just come on over and start teaching them on it. <laughs> now who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Oh man, that's what we're talking about. Oh, how do you know? He just comes over and does it. Doesn't call any attention to it at all. Don't call attention to this sort of stuff. There's no good, there's no good for it. The Word of God says he does not share his glory and generally most people, I won't say all people, but most people who do this are trying to call attention to their greatness following after His anointing. Don't, don't get into that. Don't, he doesn't share His glory. Don't you try and share it there with Him. But the purpose of His feeling, filling is to get us to follow into His anointing. The parable of the talent shows us that we must go outside of ourselves to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. You've got to get outside yourselves. If you're just there taking care of your mina, taking care of your talent, and using it for yourself, no. That's not going to do it. You've got to do business in this kingdom. So when he comes back, you have plenty left. You have all this other stuff. Here, I got all this stuff here for you. I didn't just live in this kingdom for me. Look at all that I, I have. We've got to step outside of ourselves. We've got to interact with other people. When we do, We'll see. There are places that we operate in an anointing and places where we operate in authority. And understand that authority. Don't put authority where it doesn't belong. Don't do it. You'll mess you up, mess them up, and it, it, it won't work. Because authority works by rules. Anointing works by power. God's power comes upon you. Overcome those things. God's anointing can overcome things in people's lives that you can get through the authority. For whatever reason. There could be a whole host of reasons. But with the anointing, you don't have to mess with those reasons. Authority, you got to mess with the reasons. you got to find out, alright, well, why isn't this thing not working? What's going on inside here? Power and authority? Don't have to. God says He wants to heal you. you hear people who talk about this or if you're in this situation and God shows you a person and shows you something wrong with their arm. You just see right into their body and see a shoulder out of alignment. You don't have to sit there and say, well, are they in a position to be healed? Do they have faith? Are they living the way that they should be living? I don't have to do that. If God showed me that information, then God's saying, go! I don't have to mess with a single thing. It don't matter where they're living, what they're doing, what sin they're involved with. None of that matters. At all. Because we just stepped into the power of the anointing. And the power of the anointing just showed me something that I have no business knowing on my own. And you just step on out there and you do it. Just do what God says. Operate in that thing. In the name of Jesus. We'll lay hands on you. The power comes from the name of Jesus. The power that comes from Him. His power. Not His authority. His power. 
That name has power. It has authority, but that name has power. And that name, Jesus, Jesus' name, power, is coming from Him, through me, and into you. Receive that power. That's all you got to do. And see the things that go on. Now, you can't create those situations for the power to work. But you can sure recognize them. Fall into it. And go with it. Jesus had the paralytic lowered from above. The power of God was present to heal. It wasn't to heal all. It wasn't just present or to heal them. But it only healed Him. Because they did things that shut it down. Remember that scripture? The power of God was present to heal them. But there was no thems that were healed. There was only one. Only one man stepped into it. Understand the power. Understand how it works. And the best way you can understand this is just to fall into it, flow with it, get into it, get going. You may have some mistakes that you make, but that's all right. Just get up and get going again. (laughs) Follow into that power. When Peter walked on the water, was it because of the authority of the name of Jesus? It's because of the power. Power. He had no authority. If we had authority, everybody would be walking on water. We don't have authority to walk on water. But the power of God moves, you can walk on water. The power of God moves in that area. Understand how to operate in that, in that power. And use that power in the area when you're teaching, one-on-one, one-on-three, one-on-five. Tap into that power. Recognize how that power works. And then you begin to recognize how it works in the area of healing. And then you're getting bolder and bolder. The power is always able to do more, but you're getting bolder and bolder with it. And before you'd, you'd operate at this level, but now you're operating at this level. And then all of a sudden, you know, before you'd, you'd, you'd pray over injuries, but now you'll pray over missing things. Creative things that are needed. Because you're growing in the confidence of that power. You're growing in the ability to recognize when that power is present and how that power will move and where it's moving to. And that's what it's about. And you can't really be taught that. But by walking, walking in the areas where you're walking, you can recognize it. And when you recognize it, go with the flow. Father, we'll go with the flow here this week. We look forward to seeing some of those opportunities that we have to step into the authority of Jesus and use it the way it was intended. Sometimes, Father, where the power of God is present to heal. The power of God is present to do things. We can recognize that power and step out in it. Father, we give you the glory and the power for it. Mm. We look forward to being used by you. It takes something on us to step out in these areas. But we do so for the benefit of others, not for the benefit of ourselves. Because we're sold out to do what you said. Then in your word, you get caught up in the love of God. The love that he has for the people. And that's where we need to be caught up in. So that's why we do the things that are necessary to grow in these areas. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.